Chris and I have known each other before The Matrix came out. One of our one of uh, my earliest memories was of was of us bonding over Sailor Moon uh, during our high school media class. Um, I've seen her perform on stage in high school and also on TV. Um, it's been really cool. Um, it's been amazing uh, being her friend over the years and seeing her make all kinds of badass accomplishments. I would like to welcome a hero I call by their first name, Erin. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Phil. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here and talking with you. And thank you for the super sweet intro. It's cool to think about the people that you've known for a long time in your life, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, when I was you know, thinking of guests and stuff, you know, you're one of the first people that uh, came to mind um, because, you know, I was trying to think of like my oldest friends that I've, you know, had for, for years, you know, it's you know, you know, over, you know, 20 years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was really something that really just flashed in my head was us it, like um, singing the Sailor Moon theme song, I think, in class or something like I was like, you watch Sailor Moon? You're like, hell yeah. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, so oh my gosh, yeah. I was, it was funny. I was so excited to meet you guys because, um, you know, I had always, as a, I was always a creative kid, but I never felt felt like I fit in with the cool girls. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I didn't like the same things and I didn't have the same interests. And, you know, it was neat to, uh, I used to enjoy Sailor Moon. And it was one of those things that at that time, like maybe early high school, you know, you think, oh, like no one else is into this or, you know, people would laugh at me. And then I end up in a media class and I'm like, these dudes seem really cool and fun. Um, And it was so cool to find out that you guys were into um, anime and comics and video games. And I really wanted to be friends with you guys. Like, it was so funny because I remember thinking like, oh, wow, these guys are cool. And they are like into the same things as me. They won't make fun of me. Um, and like Adam and you were like kind of wisecrackers, right? Like, you know, and I remember like giggling at little side comments and stuff like that. Um, and I think that was a really cool class to make friendships because Uh you got to work on projects together, which we made some really weird projects in high school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have a video where like you and I played secret agents. Um, yes. Yeah. Who were trying to arrest Adam because he was like crazy and going to destroy the school. And yeah. And you and I thought we were like really cool. And I watch it now and I'm like, we're hysterical. I have to put it on DVD. But it was just so fun to create with your friends and like do those kinds of, you know, like geeky things and, Mm -hmm. you know, laugh it up and then and also have something to show for it. I mean, even gosh, like 20 years later, which is really funny. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. It's so nuts thinking back uh on those times and yeah it's really cool that you that you brought up like working on projects together yeah um yeah i didn't really think about that like that was such an uh an important part of like uh like like you know education for me because yeah we just have to like have our different roles um you know uh like manage each other we each each had turns you know being director being camera person being sound person yeah that's you know as a teacher now yeah we had to add sound and like that little you know in Brentwood it was a very tiny foley studio right (laughs) losing that using that term loosely (laughs) right you know wow wow yeah Yeah, and I think it was cool because I think all of us were and I mean this with the kindest heart I think all of us were a little bit outsiders as compared to Mm -hmm. like the cool popular kids but Definitely. I thought we became powerful when we got to walk around the school with cameras, right, mm-hmm. and equipment. It was all of a sudden like, oh, now we're like kind of cool. Now you're wondering what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was really, re- it was really empowering. Um, yeah. That, yeah. And uh, yeah, and we had to kind of earn, earn that, you know, class. Like not because you could give that to a bunch of other kids and they would like destroy it and stuff, you know. <laughs> so it was nice to have that responsibility and that trust from the uh the the, uh, teachers yeah it was cool it was it was a really like i think a fun time and and i think you know it's nice when your school you don't realize it at the time but hey how cool that we even had that as an outlet you know Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, because I was definitely one of those kids that, you know, I, in high school, I didn't want to go into the cafeteria. I was so afraid (laughs) of other students or being bullied. And, oh, gosh, Phil, I had the worst anxiety in high school. And so... I sang, and so I would just take music and art classes, and I would forge my mom's signature um, to get permission to not take lunch, because my mom would say, you know, I want you to go to the cafeteria and talk to people, and instead I'd sign a little slip that said, you know, I give my daughter permission to skip lunch and take art instead. (laughs) And so it was... That that props, man. Yeah, right? So it was really my anxiety and and being a little sneaky that kind of brought me to that media class, even, because I was already in chorus and theater and really Uh didn't have any time in my schedule but I didn't know how to make friends outside of the creative arts so I was like I gotta get out of lunch and into an art class you know and make friends (laughs) that's wow that's like all because like yeah part of like my job I'm a learning advisor and um what we try to do is we try to you know uh, foster uh learner autonomy in students and like self-directed learning and like you, you have like when you were younger, like you just went full on, just like yo, I'm gonna skip lunch, I'm gonna forge signatures because I want to, you know, you you wanted to be around people that you you um, you know could relate to, but also like you you did a good job in in media as well, right? And you were really, uh, you know, it definitely helped you, I think, in your life. Uh, course right <laughs> like, oh yeah you know classes yeah. like that kept me on track also because you know like a lot of young people I had you know tough things going on in my home and you know I do remember times where it was like if you don't pass biology I'm not gonna let you do the musical or your art mm. class or you know so if those classes kind of kept me on track to also say like well I want to see my friends I want to sing I want to make art so oh gosh I guess I better you know do my math homework or I, I better pay attention in French class or, you know, I always had that looming over my head. But I always, in my mind, um, you know, thought I knew kind of what was best for me. And I, and looking back now, I think I was still right. You know, I'll say to my mom to this day, I think I made clearly, you know, more long-lasting relationships in art and theater classes than, you know, hanging out in the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is not to say wow. that hanging out in the cafeteria is a bad thing either. It just was not for me in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So um so yeah so uh, if if it's cool can we rewind a little bit uh, back in time to before we met because we we met we didn't meet to like high school maybe ninth grade or tenth grade yeah I think it was probably tenth grade I met yeah. Adam briefly in the ninth grade center yeah. um mm-hmm. and then I think I met you guys in tenth grade in media class that's right okay yeah so if we can just rewind a little bit back and if you can just kind of um yeah if you if you want to could you share like how you got into singing and and i also you also you always had a very interesting way of of expressing yourself uh with your clothes and stuff and fashion like yeah yeah so yeah if, if yeah yeah i i uh you know growing up I was always uh, the black sheep of the family, right? It's a very popular saying for for someone who's a little bit different. And I also grew up in a home where my father struggled with substance abuse his whole life. And so it was like, you know, a single mom type situation, Uh, you know, but my father was around, like they were married and stuff, but, you know, he would come and go, um, really trying to take care of me and my brother and my sister. And I, as a very young child, I never felt like anybody heard me. Um, you know, I felt like when I talked, nobody listened. And so very early on, my mom kind of pointed out to me and when I was maybe five or six that even then I wanted to pick out my own clothes. I dressed a little funky. I liked <laughs> patterns and, you know, kind of loud things. And my mother is a lot more quiet and reserved, but she said, you know, I would let you dress yourself or pick out what you want. And I remember being about seven years old, and I remember hearing my mom talk to a friend of hers uh, over lunch, and they didn't know I was listening. And I remember my mom saying, you know, yeah, Erin marches to the beat of her own drum, uh, and Erin is very eclectic. And I don't think at seven or eight I knew what eclectic meant, but I thought it was an awesome thing. Like, (laughs) you know, I ran with it. This was the 80s. So I was like, I'm eclectic. I marched to the beat of my own drummer. I didn't realize my mom was saying it in a way that like, hey, Aaron's a little different than other kids. Um, you know, I just was like, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing and, you know, wear neon clothing and a ton of bracelets and all this funky stuff. And, um, and I fell into watching musical theater. Um, I saw the musical A Chorus Line on TV, um, around the same time. And I thought, wow, like, I want to do that. I want to sing. 
And um, I was in elementary school, and I remember saying to my mom, you know, I want to take chorus the next year. And I took chorus in elementary school, and um, after a couple of weeks, the chorus teacher said, I want to call your mom. And I thought I was in trouble and was <laughs> crying. Um, and it, he called my mom, and he said, you know, your daughter, um, I think your daughter has perfect pitch. Um, and my mother was a nurse. She was like, I don't, what are you talking about, you know? And he said, I think your daughter can match pitch you know, like in a way that a mathematician can do, do math really quickly. Like, I think huh. there's something about her, and, my, and I want to test her, and, you know, I want to introduce you to a voice coach. So huh. when I was, like, nine years old, um, I was really fortunate. My mom took me to a voice teacher um, wow. for, like, a, an assessment or whatever, and the woman said to my mom, you know, this, she's very talented for her, her age. Um, you know, I'd like to train her. I'll give you a discounted rate. Um, wow. you know, but she has to work for it. Um, and yeah, and so really at like eight or nine years old, I started taking voice lessons and wow. my voice teacher became like a second mom to me. Um, and now I'm so grateful as an adult because I think as a child, I didn't realize how much money my mom was paying or, you know, that my mom worked a 40 hour work week and still drove me a half an hour once a week wow. to voice lessons and bought music books because, you know, we didn't have the internet. So you had to buy, yep. um, you know, manuscripts of songs and things like that and my voice teacher encouraged my mother to get me into um, a regional theater program for young people and um, it was outside of the school district and and it was um, something that was really neat and I auditioned for a musical and I was about 10 or 12 at this point um, you know and I got cast as a lead in a kids show um, but I didn't know any of the other kids. They weren't from Brentwood. They were from all over. Um, and so I never really fit in. And I did Long Island theater, like children's theater, and, and performed as a child for a while. But I just never, um, I never fit in. I wasn't like, you know, the cool girls. I wasn't down with them. Um, and I also wasn't really confident in myself. And then in ninth grade, there were auditions for the Brentwood High School Musical. And we were in... We were in ninth grade, and the musical took place at the high school, which was 10th, right. 11th, and 12th. And I remember telling my mom and my voice teacher, I want to audition for the high school musical. And uh, Beatrice Rodriguez went with me, mm -hmm. and her and I auditioned, and we got in. And we were the first ninth wow. graders to um, be cast, actually, in the high school musical in, like, oh. four or five years. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and I got a lead role, and I was a ninth grader surrounded by uh, Jay Rodriguez from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. He became, you know, he did musicals and became famous. And I remember a moment one day singing on stage, and I remember being a ninth grader and still not knowing how to talk to the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth graders. And uh, somebody said, "Wow, people really listen to you when you start singing," and it clicked in my mind. And I was like, well, if I want people to listen to me, you know, I'm going to sing. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to sing. Um, and it, it started two things. It started me, um, and I have a long history with positive self-talk, right? Okay. So like me repeating at that age, wow, people listen to you when you sing. And, and that's become a lifelong practice is trying to talk wow. to myself positively, build myself up. So it was really auditioning and getting into that musical that made me realize, hey, you know, maybe I'm pretty good at something and, you know, maybe if I sing, I won't feel so invisible, right? Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I didn't worry about not fitting in. I didn't worry about my family situation. Um, and so really the ninth grade musical in our high school was like a very pivotal, pivotal moment for me, particularly to be cast as a lead amongst, you know, all these cool high school students. And so, yeah, it really taught me, like, hey, Erin, like, be serious about this, you know? Like, don't fool around and focus on singing. And then it also taught me just the power of, like, positive affirmations for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Which became a lifelong practice that I think is really ha one of the reasons why I've gotten as far as I have in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah wow. So, That's yeah, awesome. it was good old wow. Brentwood High School that really yeah. opened, opened that door for me to say, hey, you know, maybe you do have a little something here you can... Uh, rely on when you're anxious or you don't know what to do or you know things like that so it also became quite a party trick um, in high school <laughs> and in college yeah like in college my when my friends realized I could sing they would take me to karaoke bars that were having contests and enter me in the contests to win you know money or free beers or things like that 
And I said, oh my gosh, later in life, you know, my friends turned me into like a karaoke hustler, right? <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that's, 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 well, thank you for sharing. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, to hear, uh, you know, just how everything kind of fell in place and, and um, through, through, through school, right? This is, it's. Yeah, through yeah. school. And I think, you know, I'm fortunate because, um, like, I know one of the things you, you know, you had talked about prior to this podcast was, you know, early influences, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. people always laugh, but, you know, I always say that one of my earliest influences was myself, um, wow. you know, because I, I was a kid who was just trying to figure out what was going on in my family situation and, you know, where I stood in the world. And once I felt like, oh, I can do a little bit of something, I realized, you know, hey, Aaron, don't, at a very young age, like, just try to be the best self you can be and you're going to inspire yourself to go further and set another goal and stuff like that, you know? So it's funny because even in a work meeting one day, my boss was like, who are some of your earliest influences? And I went, myself. Myself. And my coworkers all started laughing. And I said, no, guys, I'm not like a selfish person, but I think if more people, you know, were influenced by themselves in a positive way, you know, and yeah, so they yeah. kind of got it. Um, but it was definitely like this self-talk combined with, you know, a talent that was given to me by, you know, whomever, but, and hard work, right? You put yeah, that together. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. It, and it's, you know what, I think, um, you know, that's really uh, something that a lot of people should, you know, uh, do is like kind of appreciate, you know, the hard work that we put into ourselves, right? And, and, you know, like we don't, we don't we we don't get anywhere until we you know can trust ourselves and and um, listen to ourselves as as you did you know and oh yeah and oh just, yeah let's go with go with the flow yeah I mean I work yeah. you know I work with college students and I tell mm -hmm. them don't spend your life seeking affirmation from everyone else to build mm -hmm. yourself up right like yeah. you know your mom or your partner or your teacher thinking you're wonderful is great but you have to be able to think that independently of them mm -hmm. for you to be able to go further in your life you yeah. know and and I really do believe that that like very early on and I was fortunate I had people around to you know help me but I believed in myself for whatever crazy reason mm -hmm. you know and I think yeah I think more people you know would benefit from realizing like hey I should build myself up the way that I build other people up you know mm -hmm. Um, so I've always been yeah. about that life, kind of talking positive mm -hmm. to myself, even when things are kind of Hells hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah, that's and it's, it's, you know, and I think something, um, you know, hopefully some of my students that are language learners that are listening, that's a big thing that they always struggle with, especially the first year students. Um, they're always comparing themselves to their classmates and like, oh, this person speaks, speaks better English than me or this person, you know, uh, you know, sounds more like a quote unquote native speaker and stuff. And and um you know a lot of a lot of um conversations i have is just trying to get them to realize like yo just do do you homie like yes. don't, don't worry about other people you know like mm, yeah sort sort yourself out you know um yeah eat, you know em embrace how you talk you know don't try to sound like nobody else you yeah. know just just, <laughs> just, just yeah you, you know? and also yeah. like don't only tell yourself what you're doing wrong you know I tell I tell myself and students all the time wait a minute did I tell myself something I did right today right mm -hmm. rather than beating myself up or comparing myself to someone you know I think it's really important too to say it, when we get caught in comparing ourselves or beating ourselves up to say well wait a minute wait a minute wait, what did I do right today, you know, mm -hmm. that I should say to myself, even if that's just like, I drink water and made my bed, you know, mm -hmm. like, yep. I think it changes. But, you know, we do, we compare ourselves, we beat ourselves up. And it's, you know, I did that as a, as a teenager, mm -hmm. you know, and a young adult, for sure. And I think in some ways, as adults, we still do. It's just how much power do you let it have over you? Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, yeah, um, yeah, like, that's like, like, uh, positive psychology, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, that's one thing uh, I did a workshop last year about us uh, like savoring um, and that's kind of like this is kind of exactly what, what you said it's just you know we always kind of you know do coping like kind of think about the negative things that we happen to us we kind of like mull over it and try to think about it but it's like yo like do the opposite too you know savor the good moments share them with people yeah um, I think a lot of times we think oh nobody wants to hear 
that I did something good. It's like, no, man, that I want to hear the the good stories of my friends and, and the people I love, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, so. It's that positivity, you know? Everyone's yep. got rough days and definitely mm-hmm. challenges, but I think it's more about, you know, are you, do you let it weigh you down or do you mm-hmm. let it kind of move you forward, right? Mm-hmm. The things that are challenging yeah. in life for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. This, this some great advice there. This, this, uh, yeah. Thanks. You kind of got me feeling good. <laughs> I'm getting wise now that I'm 40. It's crazy. <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about the, the musicals? Cause, um, I think I saw my first musical at Brentwood, like, and a lot of these uh, guests I'm having, you know, I'm going to have Annie, um, you know, Adam. Um, so, the first musical I saw, I think it was in eighth grade, and they did Little Shop of Horrors. And that's, that's like one of my, you know, favorite movies as a kid. Just, you know, because it was just cool with the plant, you know, like. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. <laughs> that's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. It's so cool, man. Like, and, um. <laughs> I remember seeing that. I was like, what? Wait, what? Like, this is a thing? Yeah. Like, people can't... There's, like, a, a music pit, and people are on stage, and you can... You make the, you know, the the, the set, and I was just... My mind was was blown away. Um, and, you know, um, and I was just like, yo, I, I really want to be a part of this. Um, and, and similar to you, um, you know, I, I had private lessons, uh like uh, with piano and and bass with my father's friend Stanley M- much props um to him and um so yeah like having that you know um knowledge just about music and and just you know how how to work like I w- was able to um have something to to focus with I I I, I wasn't like as gung-ho uh as you about it like I was you know you know I was more like you know I wasn't more like punk stuff like counter you know it's and i and it's so are you like but i mean you know i think um you know i finally just you know gave myself over to 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 you know my my interest in in this kind of followed what i what i liked um and i was able to be in the pit for i think the whiz i think oh wow that was one of the what the year that i moved yeah Yeah, so can you just like talk a little bit about the musical so like ninth grade which one was that which 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 which, so uh, ninth grade was uh this uh, old cole porter musical called anything goes um which was a lot of fun and then 10th grade was gypsy um (laughs) about the famous burlesque dancer gypsy rose lee and then 11th grade was Leader of the Pack. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, I, I played guitar for that 12th one. 12th grade um, was The Wiz, and uh, like Regina and Beatrice were in it. I, I had come and seen it, but we had moved at that. My parents moved our senior oh, okay. year. So, um, but it was just great. It was like a neat place because there were so many different kinds of students, right? You had the pit and the crew and the cast, and, you know, and I think the adults even looking back now who, you know, were like the music teachers and the theater teachers, you know, now I'm like, hey, they were probably a little different than their peers also, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and, and here we all were, you know, learning <laughs> these routines. And, and I loved entertaining people. I mean, it was just such a nice feeling to think that, um, you know, so maybe someone had a really bad day or, you know, a fight with their boyfriend or whatever, and they could come and they could sit in a theater, or even in a high school, and be transported for a couple of hours, you know? <laughs> I loved, um, like, I loved dancing on the stage and looking out and seeing people smile, you know? It was so fun to think, like, whoa, I can, you know, change people's mood for a little while with what I'm able to do, and I can do it with my friends. Like, how neat is this, you know? So <laughs> high school theater programs, you know, I really think for me, for a lot of young people, are, are life-saving and really carved out some of the bigger friendships in my life, you know, and, <laughs> and moments like that for sure. And yeah. it taught you training, and it taught you, you know, for me, it did once uh, once I was in high school and 
like some of the teachers realized like, oh, Erin can sing. Um, you know, then I was at times forced to do like singing competitions for the school and things like that. Um, and I never wanted to do Nisma and Scamia. And, oh, Nisma, yeah. Oh, and I was so mad because our music theory teacher, she was crazy, Miss DeCibio. Do you remember? DeCibio, yes. <laughs> she would enter me in statewide singing competitions and then she would tell me afterwards and she'd say, well, I sent your cassette tape already, your audition tape. And I'd be like, but I don't want to go, you know. I want to stay here with my friends. So it was interesting because then I realized like, oh, um, you know, I guess I have to really like at times study this or practice this. <laughs> and so for me, it gave me kind of good discipline and, and it gave me a great coping skill, you know, because if you love to sing, you know, then you know if you're in a bad mood and you start singing and, you know, it can change your mood and your day, um, which is why I still sing professionally even. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Mr. Civio. Yeah, so like you moved eleventh uh, grade. I moved our oh, I moved in November of our senior year, senior year. dude. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What? It was time rough. to move. Yeah, and I feel bad. You know, at the time, I gave my parents hell for it, but mm -hmm. now as an adult, I understand that when a house is sold, you know, there's not much mm -hmm. you can do if you got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I so I moved. Twelfth uh, grade, but I still came to Brentwood prom and Brentwood graduation, and I came and watched the musical, and you know, because I drove, so I was, you know, fortunate enough that I was kind of comfortable still, you know, driving over there and seeing folks and things like that. And you yeah. want to laugh is, uh, you know, years later when I was in graduate school, I was an intern for a year in Brentwood, right? I requested, oh, nice, yeah, I requested to be a social work intern. My office, because Brentwood is so overcrowded, my mm. office was Mrs. DeCibio's office room in the back of her classroom. <laughs> no and way. that was my social work office. And I was like tripping out, hanging out in that hallway every day as a, an adult, you know, knowing that this is where we did like, you know, filmed our funny media videos mm -hmm. and practiced for the musicals and all that kind yeah. of crazy stuff. It was really, it was fun. <laughs> that's so cool yeah man. it was a lot of fun <laughs> and you know some of our old teachers were still there wow who was um, there let's remember? see yes i remember um uh mr shine was like this very friendly history teacher who was still there and a, and a wacky english teacher named mrs kimball mm -hmm. she was still there and uh and a teacher i had in like middle school was now like a hallway aide and retired <laughs> at the high school it was wild times to you know it was really interesting to walk around your old high school as a social worker right and and you know knowing you know what your experiences were and yeah i'd always be like tripping thinking like oh my gosh we hung out here or we did this or we had so many laughs in this hallway um you know we're walking by the media rooms right how cool that was yeah it was a lot of fun. I used to send Rogina, my best friend from high school, I used to send her pictures mm -hmm. all the time when I was in Brentwood. <laughs> <laughs> how's, how, how's, how's she doing? She's doing really good. Rogina lives okay. in North Carolina. She's been okay. there um, since college because she okay. finished at uh, UNC. She got married about a year or so ago. Oh, cool. Um, and she still loves music, but she mm -hmm. and her husband are like concert uh, connoisseurs. So uh, before COVID, they would go to a music concert or a show or to see live music like almost every weekend. Wow. Um, yeah. So she's, you know, she's doing really well. I, the okay. last time I saw her was about two years ago. Um, but I've been thinking about taking a drive down uh, maybe like in the fall when things cool off here a little bit and when like the COVID situation changes a little bit. But yeah, we still talk. I mean, we text every day. And uh, we still talk all the time. And she has some of my VHSs from high school. The last oh, time I visited man. her, we watched them. And she said, you know, oh, can, I, can I borrow these? So I was like, all right, but don't ruin them because when I come <laughs> back, I want them, you know. <laughs> That's nuts, man. Well, you know, I'm glad she's doing it. Yo, yo, what up, Regina? What's going on <laughs> here? This right, right. Um, I will tell her if, yeah. I, if, I, if I visit her, we'll have to FaceTime you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, all right, cool. So. Yeah, that's so that's awesome. So you know, um, you know, you have stuff friends from from back then, and and uh, still keeping in contact. And that's what thing you know um, was really cool about. <clears throat> excuse me, about being from Brentwood is, you know, I think it was you know may, maybe it's everybody. I'm not sure, but I kind of feel that we were able to like really form these like lifelong, um, you know, relationships with a diverse group of people. Like I think. And it definitely has, you know, uh, influenced how I interact with people and kind of, you know, how how I grew up as a, as a person. I think we were yeah. fortunate, too, because I think, 
you know, like the, the circles of us that kind of keep in touch, I think a lot of us were creative kids who were looking for other people who were going to, you know, be cool with what we were into or how we wanted to dress. You know, I used to love to dress really weird and, you know, and, you know, you guys and some of my friends were the only people who didn't make fun of me, right? So, you know, I think that we were all a little different in a good way, but I think in high school, you know, you don't realize that you're different is good. You know, you just think because it's not mainstream or like the cool kids and then you get older and you're like, whoa, that is a really good different to have. You know, to be creative and artistic and to seek out people who, you know, want to be your friend authentically. I think that happens, too, when you're a little bit different as a teenager. You know, I think those friendships sometimes are a little more authentic because, you know, you're looking for people you can be yourself around. Yeah. You know, and that are not going to laugh at your interests or your singing or your art or, you know, all those kinds of things. And, And now to this day, so many of us are still making a part, making what we love a part of what we do, right? Even mm-hmm. in yeah. even in this podcast, you know, when I hear you preparing and talking about doing, you know, editing and posts, it's, <laughs> it's amazing, you know, because I think a lot of young people don't realize that not everyone is going to become a famous pop star or Broadway star or mm-hmm. celebrity, but you can still make what you love a part of what you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I try to still do that, you know, even to this day. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, let's, um, so I guess let's fast forward a little bit, you know, um, you know, so you graduate high school. Um, so what happened after that? So you finished high school and then, so here you have all these accomplishments with, with music, you know, um, you know, you, by, by, I remember by, by senior year, um, you, you definitely were like coming in, into your own. I kind of felt, I was like, like definitely like, I remember like, um, all like your rainbow stuff and i was like it was just like whoa like you you, re- you really just like owned it and i was just, like i remember just talking about it with uh like adam and jeff's like yo man like Aaron got you know she has mad skills yo like she's gonna go like I even even then i was like yo, she like i was just really curious where people were heading yeah uh senior year because i didn't know what the fuck i was gonna do yeah you know? i had no so, idea yeah so so yeah anyway yeah so what, what happened uh after you graduated because i think that's when we kind of like you know, stopped chilling, but you know, we, we obviously linked up later on, but yeah. 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 I mean, after high school, I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I had moved my senior year. So I spent the second half of my year in my new high school, um, really being difficult. So like getting into fights and not going to school. And, you know, I was just so angry that I, I lost my friends in my circle And so, um, I worked also though, I actually had a job in high school at a pharmacy in Comac, which was near where we grew up. So my mom let me keep my job. And so I would drive still, you know, two or three days a week. I drive like 40 minutes at like 18 years old on the highway. I'm like, mom, what were you thinking? Um, you know, to go to my job. And I said to my mom, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I love singing. I want to pursue it. So my mom said, okay, why don't you go to community college? Some of your friends are going Um, you know, so I said, sure, I wasn't ready to go away. And I went to community college and I majored in theater and the performing arts for two years. Um, and again, I was, I worked really hard, but I, I was also very fortunate to get to be, um, sort of the star of a lot of, you know, the shows and the awards and things like that. And I hated it. (laughs) I hated it. I still, I, I, again, I found myself in college um, surrounded by theater people that I didn't know. And I'm not a competitive person. I'm a real, uh, like I'm a real softy kind of person. And I wear, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and, you know, even though I have some bite and I didn't like how, um, how mean and competitive people were, um, in terms of singing and theater. And I finished the program and I remember I wanted to tell my mom that I, I didn't want to do this anymore. I, I don't think I wanted to be on Broadway and, You know, and my mother was shocked. Um, She was shocked. She was like, well, what are you planning on doing with your life? And I spent years driving you to lessons and, you know, things like that. And I I really didn't know. Um, And so I finished my theater degree. uh, And it took me three years. 
Um, so, you know, it, which is interesting too because there's this myth that you're supposed to be done in and out of college in, you know, two years on community college. <laughs> and it took me three years to finish because I also had an eating disorder. Um, okay. I think that, I, like I said, I grew up in a household where, you know, things were really out of control and chaotic. And so I funneled a lot of that into this control or desire to be like really thin and um, fit. And it got very out of control in college. Yeah. And so my mom was like, you know, I still don't think you should go away to school for the rest of your education. I don't know if you're ready. You're, you're trying to get better. Um, so I went to Stony Brook. And, um, and I think like you were there and, and, and Mike was there. Cause I remember hanging out a couple of times. Lee was there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and somehow I came across you guys. Um, and at Stony Brook, I didn't know what I wanted to do either with my life. I felt like, oh, I like singing, but I don't think I want to be on Broadway anymore. And I don't know what to do. And so I got a job working in a group home for folks that had um, autism and developmental disabilities. Okay. And it was really cool because I was just kind of doing my thing at college, and I was uh, majoring in uh, women and gender studies. <laughs> Very funny. And, um, and at the same time, I was working in a group home with people with disabilities, and one day, one of my coworkers was like, hey, you know, I hear you singing in the work van sometimes. You should sing to them. And it became this thing that, like, Friday nights I would do, like, a concert with the, awesome. the, guy, yeah, the guys that lived in the group home. And, um, and I graduated Stony Brook, you know, after another three or four years. And I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, someone had said to me, well, why don't you try to be, like, a manager of a group home? So I said, oh, okay, cool, right? So... I did that for a few years, and then I became a case manager um, for folks with disabilities, so helping them get medical services and, and finances and things like that. And um, a supervisor of mine had said, you know, she said, you know, you're really talented, Erin. You work really hard. You're very personable. Uh, you, you should get a master's degree in social work because she said this is a dead-end job. Like, you know, you're never going to make money. You're not going to be able to do the things you want. And so it took me a few years, but when I was uh, 29 years old, I went back to university to get my master's degree in social work um, mm -hmm. with the goal of uh, learning how to be a therapist and learning how to help people and learning about social justice. But I always wanted to integrate music into it. Okay. So it was really great because I thought in graduate school for the first time in my life, I'm doing what I love, I'm loving what I do, and I'm learning how to help people and, and make society a little bit better, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and all along the way, I kept singing. So even though I decided not to major in theater in college, I sang with bands and I sang for, you know, we had lots of, uh, we had lots of wannabe rap stars in our neighborhood. So I sang backgrounds for God knows, I mean, God knows what's out there, right? When I think about it. Um, and then when I was 24 years old, cause I'd been singing my whole life, I was again, floating through college, not really sure what I wanted to do yet. Um, uh, a friend of mine moved to Florida, and he said, Aaron, they're having auditions for uh, a show called American Idol down yeah. here. And I was like, oh, I think I know. I, I think I've heard of that. Um, and you should come and audition. And I actually told him no. And I told him, you know, no, I'm, I'm not about that life anymore. And <laughs> that's a TV show, and those people don't work hard. And he said to me, yeah, he was laughing. And he said, you know, you're so stubborn. He said, I'll tell you what, Aaron, I'll pay for your airplane ticket. So I said, all right, cool, sure. Like, sure, whatever. And okay. um, so at 24 years old, I flew down to Orlando, Florida, and I auditioned for season four of American Idol. So mm -hmm. this was when the TV show was like at its, it was the number one show yeah, in number, like 50 yeah. countries or something crazy like that. And, um, and I auditioned and I, so if you've watched the show, there's the celebrity judges table, right? Mm -hmm. You actually have to go through three or four rounds of auditions with production staff before you even make it to, um, what was Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul and Randy Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, and I made it and I made it another round and another round and, wow. um, I made it through, uh, what they call on the show, uh, Hollywood week. 
which is um, way, which was way more than a week. Um, but we lived in California, <laughs> right? We, TV is crazy. We saw I saw a lot of how reality TV is guided, um, and so yeah, I got to live in California for the better part of a year wow. and compete on American Idol. And I was kicked off the show um, as a semifinalist, so I was in the top thirty four. Um, and I was kicked off the show right before it went live, um, oh, no. which was a bummer because I knew if it went live, I could have won people over. I knew it. Um, but um, it ended up that year, uh, that was the year that Carrie Underwood, who's like a now famous country yeah. singer, won. Yeah. Um, and she was always really talented from the beginning. Um, and it was wild being in college. And I remember I started the spring semester and I walked up to, uh, I was taking American Sign Language. And I walked up to my sign language teacher, and I had to tell her. I said, "Listen, um, I'm gonna no, I'm not gonna be in class next week, and um, I'm either gonna come back after next week, uh, or I'm not gonna come back this semester, and I can't tell you why, and um, and, and I'll reach out, and you know, like people in my class were like, what the heck, what the heck, and someone had found out. Someone was like, she's on, a, she's a contestant on American Idol." Um, so it was funny because when I got kicked off, I went back to college and one of the professors was like, well, you know, did you make it? And I was like, well, I, I can't say, but I'm here. <laughs> um, it was, and it was wild. And, you know, then I went back to college and, you know, like I said, sort of got on a path to, uh, case management and getting a master's in social work, um, but always singing and, and still singing. I, I, I sing solo now and. Um, but being on American Idol at 24 years old was was a trip. Um, yeah. It was crazy. I, you know, because I was by myself. I didn't have a parent or a guardian with me. And um, it was before social media. So, you know, we didn't have, um, like, social media to communicate. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. We had cell phones. Like, it was the early cell phone days, like 2004. Yeah. But they actually used to take our cell phones away from us when we would get to California. Oh, wow. Because wow. um, they didn't want us, like, ruining... Um, you know, who was being kicked off of American Idol. Um, and I had to sign a lot of contracts, and I had to share a lot of personal information about my life and my family. Wow. Um, oh, yeah, they even, you had to give them the names of, so if you were over 21, you had to give them the names of people that you had been romantically involved with over the past yeah. seven years. <laughs> seven? Damn. And... I had uh, both men and women on my list, and yeah. I remember having to call, like, an ex-boyfriend and say, like, listen, you might get a phone call from American Idol, and they're going to ask you about me, and please say that I'm a nice person. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I've, I've identified as bisexual for a very long time. It took me a long time to feel comfortable with that, but American Idol in 2004 did not want me to talk about that. Really? Yeah, so they had said, you know, we're not going to bring up, um, you know, that you've dated women and we really don't want you to bring that up either. So when you're on the show and you make it as far as I do, you get a media coach. Um, really? And yeah, you have to work with a coach and, you know, they tell you kind of, you know, like he told me I should tan more and um, don't talk about dating women and, uh, <laughs> you know, all this like kind of wild stuff. And, and I was 24. So, you know, I thought I think about, you know, people who navigated that at 18 or 19. And, mm. and it was it was also very tiring. Um, I had this perception that it was like a joke and, you know, oh, mm. American Idol. Yeah, right. It was one of the toughest experiences I have ever been through wow. in my entire life. Wow. Yeah, American Idol uh, is boot camp for singers, really. And so if you're not already talented and if you're not already a hardworking singer, you won't make it far. Wow. Um, and, you know, you had to be, most days you had to be camera ready by 7.30 in the morning. And they would keep you out filming until, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. sometimes. Wow. Um, so there was a lot of push to try to, you know, either make you tired or cause a little drama, <laughs> um, you know, or things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think at 24 years old, I was uh, 34 out of over 400,000 people yeah. chosen. Yeah. Um, wow. And how neat that is. And to this day, I am still friendly um, and keep in touch with a handful of folks that I was on the show with as well, because it was just such a crazy shared experience, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like 
an adventure. <laughs> it was an adventure and a half. And, you know, even coming home when the show aired, um, like, you know, newspapers would call my house and I'd be like, mm -hmm. I didn't win. Like, why are, why do you want to talk to me? Um, you know, and, and people all like watching the show and watching you. And then like when I got kicked off, you know, then you have to relive it with everybody. <laughs> but it was cool because I was ready to go home. What being on American Idol did teach me very quickly that I didn't want to be famous and that okay. the decision I had made at, you know, 21 to not pursue theater full time was the right one. Um, because I wasn't comfortable. I didn't like, again, there was, you know, competitive culture. Um, but also on American Idol, you were forced to film commercials. Um, one day they forced us to walk down Hollywood Boulevard and take pictures with tourists. And, um, and I remember making a joke and saying like, Hey, the person who's dressed as Ronald McDonald, like he gets to charge, you know, why do I have to take pictures for free with tourists? Right. Because I was 24, honey. So I was like, this is not adding up. Um, it was just a lot of work and it was even not being famous. You got to see how, um, like your privacy was invaded, um, I had blogs like make fun of the way I looked and stuff. So oh I was like, God, I was like, you know, this is not for me. I'm gonna go home, yeah. um, maybe think about getting a master's degree, and uh, <laughs> you know, sing on the weekends. Um, but it was really, really cool. And and you know, I'm still my, you know, I'm very fortunate to this day. And my mother, you know, God bless her, she has a picture of me hugging Simon Cowell hanging up in our <laughs> living room. You know. And my brother yeah, and sister like, have to look at it every time they come over. And their friends are like, is that Simon? And my sister's like, yes, yes, it is. My sister was on American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you, you, I'm sure your mom was so proud because, you know, she, like you said, Ben, you know, she, she was driving you, you know. To yeah. The, the, you know, that must be, you know, so rewarding for her. You know, to see that and she's so proud of you, you know, so. And it was cool because even the yeah. way that I, when I got kicked off, um, the camera, like they interview you right away. So you're crying and you're, you're shocked you're going home and they stick a camera in your face. And I, and they aired it and I had said, um, they said, you know, how do you feel about going home? And I said, I'm fine with going home. Um, you know, I'm kind of tired and I have a lot of friends and family that love me. The best way to handle it is to accept whatever the decision is gracefully. You know, I think that that's the mark of someone with real talent and a true performer is someone who handles it well. Well, how will Aaron handle the judge's decision? Sit. Certainly. Okay, thank you. How are you feeling, Aaron? I feel good. You brought a lot of joy to the competition, but not always consistent. I'm sorry to say that your journey is going to end here today. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you. This is not the end of my world. I go home, I have a great family and a lot of people that love me. So I'm lucky. You know, I lost nothing doing this. I gained and when I got home, that was what my mom was the most proud of. Is she's like, you know, what you said is what's really more important, right? That you have people who love you, that you don't forget where you come from. So I was glad that, you know, she was proud of that as well. She said, you know, oh, <laughs> all my coworkers said you handled getting kicked off with such grace, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yes, I did. Cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. But we laugh because now to this day, like Carrie Underwood comes on the radio and my mom like kind of rolls her eyes a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, mom, that was 16 years ago. You got to get over it. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I'm like she's wow. cool, but it's cool, mom. That was not never gonna be me. <laughs> <laughs> wow! We have to, well, thank you for sharing so much. Like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. So cool. You're it's welcome. So cool. Wow. So, all right. Yeah. So we've been talking for about uh yeah about 45 little 45 minutes already. Um. Yeah. So I, I try to keep keep everything within an hour. If you will be over that, that's fine as well. Um. So yeah. I yeah. So. There's a few things that, you know, if, if you want to talk about them, fine. If you don't, that that's cool, too. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, one um, was, you know, uh, talking about, like, being bisexual in, you know, um, post-2010. I think after, 20, after 2010, it's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but before 2010, <laughs> it was like, shh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if, you know, if you want to talk about that, that's fine. And also... Um, yeah, I wanted to just kind of go into uh, kind of your career in, in, into into social work and yeah, and as well. So I'm an open book. No, I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I had mentioned how you know on American Idol I had dated women in the past, and they wanted mm -hmm. to know about that. 
um, and I was 24, but I had known most of my adolescence that I was attracted to both men and women, um, and I didn't realize that anything was different about that. Um, until I was like 12. So one day my sister and I and some of the girls in the neighborhood were riding bikes around the neighborhood and the girls were talking about um, which new kid on the block they wanted to marry. <laughs> and New Kids on the Block, right? A, a hysterically funny pop band, boy band from the, the 80s and 90s. Step by step Ooh baby Gonna get to you girl Oh man, I hate it. I was, I think a lot of guys, well, at least I hated them because all the girls loved them. Yes. So, like, well, I remember one girl was like, you know, I'm going to marry Johnny and two girls were fighting over marrying Joey. And this was maybe like 1993. And I went, I'm going to marry Janet Jackson. And all the girls stopped on their bikes and looked at me. Yo, she was, yo, she looked good in those if videos. Remember the, like, uh, Her, right? was yeah, man, she was oh, on TV. I mean, she was just everything. Yeah, but yeah. all the girls stopped and looked at me, and I was like, oh, no, just kidding. Joey, I like Joey, right? <laughs> so even yeah, at Janet like. Janet Jackson better than all of them, like, you know. Better than all of them. Janet Jackson is better than all of them, absolutely, <laughs> still to this day. Yeah. Um, but I realized right at 13, like, oh, this is not what other people say or feel or think. And in high school, um, and she knows it, if you want to laugh. Um, you know who, like, my first love was, Phil, was Christy. Really? And, yeah, and she knows, because we met up in, in, like, we tried to meet up in North Carolina, like, years ago, um, just to chat, you know, she's got kids and stuff, and I was like, oh, you were my first crush. Um, but I realized also, because we grew up in Brentwood, and there was, you know, pretty, in the 90s, there was still prevalent, like, homophobia in terms of, you know, oh, yeah. negative language being used, and I remember seeing some of the guys we went to high school with who appeared to possibly be gay, and I remember seeing, like, Fernando get, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing him get picked on, and I remember hearing, you know, awful slur terms for gay people, mm -hmm. and thinking, like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm not gonna say anything about this. And then when we were, like, in 10th or 11th grade, um, Vanessa and Amy started dating publicly. And I was so jealous. I was like, two girls? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was like, two girls? I know. Two girls are dating? What? Oh, my God. What? You know, in the inside, I was freaking out. I was like, how could this be? But I was also so scared. Like, I didn't want people to know that that's how I felt, that mm -hmm. I stopped being friends with them um, wow. in, like, you know, sort of like an internalized homophobia type thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Happens, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then in college, it, I just kind of ignored it in, in community college, like my first two years. And, you know, I had a boyfriend, and I remember I would talk to him about it and say, you know, I think I'm bisexual. I, I do like girls. I am interested in dating women. And it was, you know, you didn't know much. So he was a good guy, but he was like, you're dating me. You're straight, right? So, okay, buddy. Okay. Um, <laughs> right now we know that's not how this works, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I didn't pay much attention to it until I finished community college and I went to Stony Brook. And I remember it was a goal that I set for myself to kind of figure out what was going on for me. Um, I've always been like, I like to set my own goals and, you know, and I remember thinking, okay, you know, your first semester, like you have to figure this out. You've got to see what's going on with this. And one day I was walking across the campus quad and I stepped on a piece of paper and it was a flyer for a meeting for a club for LGBT students. Uh -huh. And I'm like, whoa, that's a sign. Um, <laughs> you know, so I started going to these club meetings in college. And in the beginning, I would just sit in the back and I really didn't talk to anybody. I really didn't know anybody. Um, it was very hard for me to make friends. Um, and then I met another girl who was sort of the same way. Um, and she was from Australia. She was an international student. Um, and she was there on an athletic scholarship. So she didn't really have a lot of friends outside of the team. Um, you know, so we started hanging out and we ended up dating. And she was sort of like my first girlfriend. Um, and then, you know, Throughout my life, I mean, I'm pretty fortunate because I'd say even in the early 2000s, I was like, um, I think that this is kind of who I am and I'm not going to let people tell me negative things about it. Um, and I waited a long time to talk with my mom about it and my dad. Um, and my parents were very incredibly supportive. When I was in a long-term relationship with a woman, I said, you know, I want you to know. And, you know, they were 
um, not necessarily surprised. Um, and and I think being a part of the LGBT community, it drove a lot of the work I ended up doing sort of now in my life. Um, you know, I understood what it felt like um, to be scared to tell people who you were or to be afraid you would get hurt or kicked out of your home. Um, and yeah. so in my during my master's program, I also studied in particular working with LGBT young people and mm -hmm. um, and did that kind of work um, and still do, um, mm -hmm. you know, since my master's degree. So, yeah. you know, I think, um, again, I think I'm lucky because I always would remind myself to believe in myself. And I know that that's not what every kid does or adolescent. Mm -hmm. um, but even when I was trying to... Um, you know, figure out who I was, I was always like, I'm not gonna, you know, beat myself up. And, and if I want to date women or date men, I'm going to do that. But I'm going to keep myself safe. And I'm going to be who I am. Um, you know, not for the sake of other people, but for myself. Um, and it's been great. And what's nice is that now I'm able to talk to a lot of other people about, you know, LGBT folks, or, you know, now we have friends who have, uh -huh. you know, gay and bisexual teenagers. And, you uh -huh. know, I'll get Facebook messages like, hey, Erin, you know, I'm not sure what to say, and I want to support them. Uh, and it's just wild. It's wild yeah. to me. Um, but, you know, it's not to say that throughout my time I haven't had, um, unfortunately, you know, experiences with homophobia. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. followed, and I've, my girlfriend, my, one of my girlfriends and I, um, you know, were almost physically attacked. And, oh, wow. you know, I've been harassed at times. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so important to be your authentic self no matter what, mm -hmm. if it's safe. You know, it's very different where, where I live. It is safer, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I have that privilege, right? But, um, I, you know, I, I do think it's so important. I, I, I've always told people that um, I just love everyone and I have a lot of love to give. And so, <laughs> you know, you know, I just, uh, I, like I said to someone once, they said, you know, but who do you like better, you know, men or women? And I said, I just really like everybody. That's my yeah. problem, you know? Like I've, I've always found the beauty in who people are and I've always been attracted to people you know not necessarily first for the way that their face looks you know uh -huh. Uh -huh. um you yeah. know I, and, I, and I think it's a gift because I feel really lucky that I've gotten to develop relationships with so many different kinds of people in my life yeah. you know yeah yeah that's that's beautiful thank you for sharing um yeah I, you know um yeah I think yeah it's just um I like how you put it you know you have lots of love to give <laughs> And, you know, I, you know, I hopefully in, in time um, and I think, you know, we're seeing it, you know, even today. Um, I remember growing up and, you know, I, I you know, I liked musicals. I like theater. But, you know, there was this kind of, uh, I guess. Um, well, yeah, I guess a homophobic way of me not really listening to it publicly. Oh, yeah. There was so much stigma, right? Yeah, like you would um, get boxed into something. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm kind of a dude, you know, what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think I definitely, uh, yeah, had to relearn uh, who I was uh, growing up as well. And, and you know, m making lots of friends and, you know, people be begun to, like, you know, come out more and stuff. And I had to learn how to, how to re re even speak again, you know, like a lot of the language I used, you know, wasn't appropriate. Um, you know, like, you know, uh, and, you know, by, by doing that, I kind of, you know, uh, kind of learned more about myself as well, about getting rid of getting rid of these kinds of uh, ways of thinking and these kinds of think because I, I, I didn't like that. I thought that like I wasn't like a big I wasn't a big homophobe or anything. I was like beating anybody up or anything. But, you know, just like, you know, just having like these kinds of thoughts. Like, oh, I shouldn't wear that or I, I shouldn't listen to that because, you know, and yeah. So I think um, it's definitely cool. And I think a lot of people today, um, you know, thanks, you know, to uh, what's a good word to use? Like thanks to like the, the awareness raising that has happened. Uh, in the past, you know, 20, 30 years, um, I think people are better off for it today. So society is, you know. Yeah. And I think yeah. where we grew up has a lot to do with the way that folks like you have maybe unpacked, right, feelings about LGBT people that were just sort of indoctrinated or ingrained. Because uh -huh. yeah, we grew up in a yeah. town where, like, there were so many different cultures, ethnicities. And so I think growing up, we, in Brentwood, 
it was normal to have to unlearn things about people that you didn't know, mm, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it was yeah. normal to be like, oh, now I have a friend who's Hindu. Now I have a friend mm -hmm. who's Dominican. Now I have mm -hmm. a friend who's Trini. This is how they pray mm -hmm. or how they eat. And That's wow, true. maybe, you know, when, when my parents or teachers or whatever make jokes about a certain group, maybe it's like not cool anymore because those are mm -hmm. my friends. Like we were always yep. learning about different kind of people where we grew up. And I think that, I think, like, I'm really proud. I mean, there are, like, bro-type dudes that we went to high school with that will reach out to me, you know, and just try to show support. And I think it's a testament. Like, I think there's a lot of people who have unlearned a lot of that homophobia um, mm -hmm. that have grown up in Brentwood because it's like, well, there's so many people who are so different, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I've always been really proud of that, you know, because you're afraid at times to, you know, go to a high school reunion or, you mm -hmm. know, see people that you grew up with. And I will say for me that um, since coming out and doing the work that I do, I've been nothing but kind of pleasantly surprised by, you know, folks we grew up with. And, um, you know, I've even had people reach out to me to say like, oh, I'm sorry, I bullied you or, mm -hmm. you know, made yes, fun of I, you. I, or... I had to send those emails. I, I, I did that when, especially when Facebook really was popping off. And that's off. the process, right? It's the people who are not yeah. able to um, self-reflect and, and unlearn, you know, I think that have an issue. But when you're open to saying, Hmm, I used to think one thing, but now I know people and I think different. I think that's a great thing, you know, to learn and grow like that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, too, man, I think uh, not, not not everybody is as straight as they uh, as they think they are. Ain't that the truth? Well, you know, you research know. shows that, you know, over because now now I'm the data geek right in my real life. In my, my nine to five. And it's funny because in the United States of America, um, a, a, a nationwide study that was conducted over 5,000 adults between the age of 19 and 51 showed that 63% of Americans have fantasies different from how they articulate their sexual orientation, right? So, like, a lot of people are thinking about other kinds of people, and, hey, that's okay, you know? Ain't nothing wrong with that, Right? Yeah. And it's nice to see more of a space, because now I work predominantly with LGBT college students, and so it's nice to see that they have more space and spaces to have those conversations earlier on to find support and, and you know, sort of figure out who they are. Wow. All right, yeah, so, like, I guess transitioning... Um to the yeah to kind of what you're doing now i when i was looking looking up your name i i saw someone cited you in one of their books man like <laughs> uh, but uh um yeah so yeah can you just talk about what, what you're doing now and yeah absolutely so for the past uh 10 years i've been a, a licensed professional social worker um and i work predominantly in higher education so universities um, my full-time job, I work on a college campus, and uh, most of my job is doing training, outreach, and education on mental health. So um, I have a big background in suicide prevention, and so I do suicide training workshops on campus. Um, I work with faculty and staff, um, and then I also work a lot with LGBT youth. So um, we're fortunate in our universities to have programs to support lesbian and gay and transgender students. So I run um, a lot of programs and clubs. Um, I am the faculty advisor to um, uh, what's called the, the Gay Straight Alliance, which is a, a student mm -hmm. organization. Um, and then I also teach social work at the graduate level part-time. Um, cool. So I've been fortunate, and this is when I think, like, this, who is this really you, Erin? Um, because <laughs> depending on the semester, I teach, and this feels even weird to say, but I, I teach at either uh, NYU, Fordham, or Columbia wow. University. Hells yeah. And, yeah, and there are moments where I'm like, what? That is so weird when you say that. That's really you. <laughs> And I think, you know, about myself being a young girl walking around Manhattan, you know, thinking, oh, I want to be a Broadway star. And now, you know, there are days where I go to teach a class at NYU and I'm like, wow, you really did the thing. Like, how how'd you do that? Um, and my focus in social work, um, again, is either suicide and crisis prevention, um, LGBT youth, um, or human rights and social justice. So um, I teach a lot of university graduate classes on human rights, on social justice issues and topics, um, on human rights violations. Um, and then I use that framework to train social work students to be therapists um, that approach their work with a social justice lens. Wow. Um, so, you know, I think growing up with lots 
lots of different kinds of folks, again, really contributed to, um, I just have this love of people and their stories and their differences. Um, you know, and now I get to work on a daily basis supporting college students and then also teaching college students how to be social workers. Um, and I try to integrate music into it wherever I can. So, awesome. you know, I'll sing at my university if it'll help fundraise or mm -hmm. I'll encourage my students to, you know, work on a creative arts project and, you know, really still I'm always preaching, right? You can make what you love a part of what you do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just think about how to do that creatively. But, yeah, it is weird to think I've been, like, cited in publications and, yeah, um, I was like, what? and I was teach like, at, like, Columbia stuff. and stuff. You know, so my mom, she doesn't, she doesn't care. She's still, you know, treats me like me. <laughs> But um, but it is weird, you know, because I think what we started talking about, you know, feeling like you don't fit in and you don't belong and you don't know what your contributions are. And, you know, I've always been a big proponent of, you know, telling yourself positive stuff and setting goals. And I've always been a big proponent of, you know, foraging your own path and not letting the things that, that happen to you in life hold you back, but kind of push you forward. Um, which is not to say that I don't have bad days, right? Everybody definitely has the days where it's like, I got to get out of bed today. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, overall, I feel really fortunate because I still sing on the weekends. Um, when COVID's not going on, I get to sing at bars or clubs and entertain people that way. And then I get to share my love of music with, you know, social work students and clients and things like that. So it is it is really trippy because I, I like we were saying in the beginning, sometimes I still think of myself as 24 or 25. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but then my knees remind me otherwise, <laughs> right? My joints. <laughs> but yeah, you know. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's just been yeah. great to hear your voice and talk. Yeah, and Rogina said that if I yeah. come to visit her, yeah, we definitely will have to video chat you together. She oh, said. That, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I got well, five minutes left, um, and I just want to ask. I, I'm asking every guest um, this question. I didn't realize how ableist it was because you mentioned that you that you spoke American Sign Language. Um, so yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really thinking about that. So um, if you want to send a video of yourself doing doing something yeah. in, in sign language, that'll be. I can put it on the on the website. But yeah, can you speak any other languages? I don't. Uh, I do. Okay. I I don't speak any other languages, and I really wish I did. Um, I think again, back in high school when I was really struggling with kind of even going to class, I didn't see the value um, in speaking another language. And then in college, I tried to take French and Spanish, and I didn't do well. Um, and a theater professor said, like, why don't you try sign language? It's kind of like dancing with your hands, okay. which is so That's funny. Um, yeah. But it made sense, right? Yeah. And so sign language was like the only thing that kind of clicked for me um, for a couple of years. And I had a really cool sign language teacher. She... Um, one of my sign language professors was deaf, but when I got back from American Idol, she would come and see my band play and dance, even though she couldn't hear. She <laughs> would so feel awesome. the vibrations and dance around and, you know, say, oh, that's my student. Um, so I don't speak another language, but I really wish I did. Um, and I'm sure my American sign language is rusty, but it's still good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you if you'd like, uh, if you can, if you want, you don't have to, but you can send a video of just like saying some words or whatever. Sure. I put I can, I'll put it on on the blog. Um, yeah, I'll do a little something yeah. for you tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you well, so much, yeah. Phil. This has been really cool, and it's just great to hear your voice. And I think it's great yeah. that you're doing something to inspire students in a whole other kind of creative way. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you for taking out the time and and sharing. And thank you for being uh, a hero that I call by their first name. Thank you. <laughs> I'm honored by that. The same to you, man. I really look up to you. So thank you for today. Thank you.